We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 99. One shy of the century mark. Not only is it not only is it episode 99, you know what that music means. It's Moose and Runes after dark. See, I let you do it that time. I, Thank you. Usually um, I would are, do that with you and sounding more creepy, but I, I, we've done this <laughs> enough where I let you go. <laughs> we are uh, filming this one after hours, have, have, as we have in the past. Gotta love filming podcasts. Uh, we are taping. See that, that <laughs> that's just the that's just it's the nature of after dark. After dark, we're gonna we're gonna start off the rails, and, and we're probably gonna stay there. So uh, we have we have plenty to get to tonight on the pod in anticipation for the Masters, which begin today. If you're listening to this on Thursday, which I assume you are, but tomorrow uh, during the time we are taping this, Matt, you not only um, are excited for the Masters as we are every year, but you have a different perspective on it now. You're uh, you're just a few hours removed from uh, having boots on the ground at Augusta National. Yes, Joe. I, I, I think I had literal boots on the ground there, though they might have gotten a little bit wet. <laughs> uh, and those boots might have gotten a little bit, uh, I don't want to say destroyed, but I, mm-hmm. I, I did not bring those gym shoes back with me. It was a little bit muddy with Augusta. They were beyond salvaging, but that's okay. Uh, did you take them off and leave them on the field like Tim Riggins, like you had just... It was it was a spiritual experience where you just left a, a piece of you behind. Is that what that was? You know, that's that's pretty much where I was. I think I, okay. I I didn't leave them exactly on the field. I left them in the hotel room in a similar type ceremony. Okay, um, you know, kind of walk back out and I, I placed them back. I said a little prayer, give gave a little nod to the gods, and mm-hmm. um, it was it was it was an experience that I don't think any of us will ever forget. And now I can get into maybe a little bit of the actual course beyond just the nostalgic heaven-like experience. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say just behind my general jealousy of you of having gone to Augusta now is my jealousy of the lens you get to watch the tournament this year through having now, you know, it's always different once you see it in person uh, to be able to picture the shots that these guys are hitting. Yeah. Hang on one second. I'm going to try plugging headphones because it is picking up just a little bit now. All right, can are you can you still hear me good? Yeah, you're good. Okay, I plugged a different set of headphones, so now we're okay. Sounds good. Um, yeah, you know, Joe, I'm I'm sure you've probably experienced it at some point before. I know uh, we'd played in the past um, Sawgrass, so mm-hmm. I got to see kind of that one firsthand. Obviously, it, it completely changed the way I watched the players. But I think the one takeaway I have from or the, not the one I have several uh, probably mm-hmm. every takeaway I can consider I have the biggest <laughs> takeaway I can I, I have from that course, and I think every one of you know my, my dad and brothers that was there, everyone that had been there and had told us this wasn't really something you believed. The undulation, how hilly that course is. Yeah, it is unbelievable. Like, one eighteen eight, you know, on TV it doesn't look like it's that far uphill. It just kind of looks like a relatively flat hole. Like mm-hmm. you're driving pretty much straight uphill. Like eighteen is after you tee off. Like you kind of dip down into a valley there when you get off the tee box, and pretty much from and then everything's you know, up the hill. Beginning of fairway to green, you have a trudge uphill, and you know the the, wow. fair, the fairways are massive. Like I, 
you can land an airline or an airplane on some of those fairways. But if you're not mm-hmm. in the right spot, you're, you're almost always going to be playing it off an angle. You, they do a great job, obviously, you know, now of protecting certain shots. Like if you're not in the right part of the fairway on a par five, you don't really have a shot to get to the green at two. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, honestly, it, now just from an emotional, you know, <laughs> nostalgic <laughs> standpoint, just being on that, like, I get it when the Gary Player's famous quote was, you know, if heaven has a golf course, I hope it's like Augusta National. Uh-huh. You, you kind of get it, what he's, you, you understand what he's saying, but once you actually go there and you step on the grounds, you kind of walk and you feel that oh, experience. It, like it's, it's always going to bring something it, special to it, yeah. It is the most perfect place I could ever imagine, I could ever picture. It's just like, it's it's a golf fan, it, it's a must-do bucket list for a golf fan. I don't know if you have in the past, but if not, enter that lottery, have your dad enter that lottery, have everyone you know enter that lottery. Do Eventually, you're going to get one of them. And when you do it, it's it's unbelievable. It's it's affordable, too. It's only 75 bucks for, uh, I think, for the practice round tickets. They, they keep the prices cheap. And, it's, and we were there for... I know probably five hours, and I think we all could have stayed five hours more. We had we had to leave around four o'clock. But so to so to give people kind of an idea, because I know I have a little bit more background already sure. on it. You went to the you went to the Tuesday practice round. Correct? Tuesday practice round. We uh, we stayed. And, and, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, kind of give me an idea of that day because there was some weather in the area. Did was there ever a point where you had the feeling, the thought? I'm in Augusta, Georgia, and I'm not going to be able to go to the Masters, and I have a ticket to the Masters. You know, we were on the way there. So we stayed about an hour outside Augusta in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to stay in Augusta, it's going to cost you like 300 bucks a night. And if you want to stay somewhere nice in Augusta, it's going to cost you about 500 bucks a night, and you have to book about a year in advance. Yeah. Um, so we stayed, you know, an hour. It was straight highway drive, really easy down the road in Columbia. So we got up around, you know, 5.30 in the morning. Rot was out of the hotel by 6, 6.30, and that entire drive from Columbia to Augusta, it was, it was not just drizzling. It was raining pretty good. Um, so none of us really said it out loud in the car, but <laughs> all of us were, were pretty concerned about whether or not we were going to get, uh, it was in the air. Well, it, it was very much up in the air, whether we were going to get on the course. You no, know, I'm got, saying it was, there was, there was a, oh, a it, weight there was a in the air in the there car. Was a te- there was, was a tension. tension. <laughs> there was a tension in the air. There's no doubt about it. Okay. Uh, we, we got there, uh, we, we, we parked and pretty much by the time we were parked, it had stopped raining for the most part, maybe a very, very light drizzle. Um, so the, you okay. know, the gates open at eight, we were able to get in right away. We, we hit the gift shop and, um, you know, I, I'm not, Did I'm, you not do a little pr- damage? I, I'm not proud of how much money I spent. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I also am. Uh-huh. I'm not going to be at Augusta every year, so I think I can afford to, you know, have a few days to break the bank and maybe. I'm not going to. I'm not going to ask you. Know, you I'm not going to ask you a number. I'm not going to. I'm not going to over under a number. I'm not going to ask you how many items. I just want to know what your favorite item that you came home with was. Man, uh, they had so or that many you good options. Home. I got uh, I got a couple of quarter zips that I really really liked. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, I mean, don't the polos I bought were great. I, I got a couple of t-shirts too. Notice there's plural plural uh, on all oh, of these. Oh, right? there there is quarter pl- zips. There's plural of polos. There's there's plural of everything I, I bought. I, I, I'm not ashamed to admit that. And then they, they do this, you know, the genius thing like a lot of stores do. But once you get kind of in the checkout line, you're waiting. That's where they have you know the box of Titleist. They have the bag tag. They have the the yeah. koozies, the, they have the, the grabbables. I, the grabbables. Uh, I, I grabbed probably three or four things at the checkout you grab. line, too. You grab. Uh, but I, I will say, I could have spent about triple what I spent there if I really wanted Easy. to. And it, it wouldn't Easy. have been that hard. 
Um, but I think you start all, messing around with the with the Augusta Crystal, and you're in a completely different. I, uh, I, I didn't quite go Crystal. I did get a nice pitcher, a nice jug. I did get a couple Augusta beer mugs and an Augusta Gotta. coffee mug. I think those will get very get a lot of run out of them for me. Um, very nice. But yeah, it was. So then, yeah, then we got out of there. Look at me. I, I thought that was the main event. Um, we, we, we get out of the gift shop. And then you went and watched golf. So we were, there, we were in the gift shop I, with the lines you're standing in and then going to the FedEx line. Probably in there for about an hour. And when you uh-huh. get out, it's it it wasn't pouring, but it was raining pretty good again. So that's kind of where we started to get a little worried again. Uh-huh. Um, we were able to walk the cor- uh, walk a lot of the back nine. We kind of walked through 18 you know, to the 10th tee, walked kind of down 10, hit the back a little bit, got to uh, – you know, 12T, saw Amen Corner, and right about then they started clearing the course out for lightning. And uh-huh. at this point, none of us really thought we were going to get back on the course. We were a little bit disappointed, yeah. even though we got to see some. So we went back to the car, kind of held out hope and waited around for an hour. And then eventually they did end up letting us back in. Turned out to be a really, really nice day once we got back in around 1245, awesome. 1 o'clock. You know, we got there three hours. By the end, like, honestly, it was sunny. And I think I even got a little bit sunburned on, on my calves. That I, you know, the any, uh, any, pl- any names, any players go out to get work in in that kind of second yeah, we, oh, that, we saw a good amount of them. Uh, so when we first got back in, we kind of went and posted up at the, the grandstand that over was overlooking 13 green, 14 tee. Um, so uh-huh. there we saw we saw Fleetwood come through. We saw uh, Mark Leishman come through, Cam Smith. Um, eventually, not not that group, but we saw Jordan Spieth uh, on eight with playing with Keegan and Cantley. Um, nice. We see, yeah, so we saw a good amount of people. Uh, we we saw more of Hao Tong Lee than I think I'd ever uh, I'd ever imagined I'd see in my life. <laughs> I like how that sleeper pick. Like, he, sleeper I, pick. I, 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 I would. He was out there putting some work in. He looked pretty good. Um, <laughs> we we on our way out, we saw Brooks Kepka tee off on two, and he put a hurting on this ball. Uh, of course, we saw Snedeker and Bubba playing. Even Skinny Brooks. Bubba had probably two twenty in in into the second green from kind of on the top of that hill and he just uh-huh. kind of hit an easy iron I, I couldn't nice tell easy iron far. like an easy little four iron in there and just completely stuck it to about 10 feet so I, I naturally after that I decided to pick him in my golf pool uh, there you go but yeah and uh, the they have some sort of obviously aerating system that you know dries out the grass uh, the the where we're allowed to walk and outside of the ropes was pretty mushy as you could possibly think. But yeah. inside of those ropes, like if you, you could put your hand on it and kind of step on it, it was like bone dry. They have these like vents. It, it, there's these big vents you kind of see, you know, along the course. And I swear to God, they're literally sucking the water outside. Yeah, sometimes of you can see play. that you can see the patterns of that from like the overhead look sometimes the yeah. drainage on courses. And um, I'm sure, uh, Augusta National has the best of the best. Yes, that, I mean, they, I, they easily spent six figures on that, if not Matt, more. Matt, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, ask you before we moved on here, because we are in many ways a food podcast oh, yeah. just oh. as much as we are a sports podcast. Um, did you experience the pimento cheese? Did you go I, barbecue? I'm not, I'm not, did you run barbecue. the gamut? I went barbecue. So okay. we made several stops. I'm not, come on. Okay. Um, the first time through, the, so I, the first time through it was a barbecue sandwich. It was the Georgia peach ice cream sandwich uh, okay. and, and a beer. Now, is that actually peach flavored ice cream? Oh, it's, that just it's, a- yeah, it's, it, it's like, it's a, it's a good scoop of peach ice cream and not kind of like processed, you know, frozen food ice cream. Like it, it was like a real scoop of ice cream in between. Someone some, churning it in, in the back. In, in between two pretty good <laughs> sugar cookies. And that was uh, me and me and Tim each had a couple of those. Those are fantastic. But yeah. I had that, the Beautiful. barbecue and a beer and Joe at the checkout for those three things. I paid $10. 
I was going to say seven half, bucks, half, something half, like that. Half, yeah. Five for the beer and then five for the two sandwiches. So that was um, pretty awesome. Now take it. Now you're eating that barbecue sandwich yeah. in, let's say, your living room right now. Yeah. Uh, not without the mystique no, of Augusta. It, it was a very Give me good the rating. Bar- it was still a very good barbecue sandwich. I, I'm not like okay. I mean, it wasn't like when you go to a barbecue restaurant, you know, a famous barbecue restaurant. But I'd say you know, mm-hmm. tier below that. It was okay. it, it was all pretty good food. They also you know, they had your pimento cheese, your ham and cheese sandwiches that were essentially just you know cold cuts on rye bread, which were also delicious. But that was probably more of like it was Augusta. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. the, the actual you know the food sandwiches all that were great. Um, the beer I think we figured out was Miller Lite, Blue Moon, and um, Stella, even though they just called them Domestic Light, uh, Domestic Craft, and Import. Yeah, no free then- ads. You can get sport drink. You can get sport, you get sport drink, drink, which drink is blue Gatorade. Sport drink, <laughs> cola, and diet cola. Uh, your choice. And it, it was, no free ads. No free ads. Honestly, like you know, even in the back, like where they have you know the soda machine where the people go to fill it up, they don't have the they don't have the logo on there. It says cola, diet cola, sport drink, lemon lime. That's hilarious. But it well, was, it uh, sounds like it was a. a I could I could honestly experience. talk to you more for like. I could talk to you the entire podcast about this experience, but I, I won't do that. Um, um, it, it was absolutely you, memorable. You do have to also clue us in because this was kind of in many ways a golf trip of a lifetime because you not only went to the practice run of Augusta, but the day prior or two days prior, you played prior, Pinehurst played number Pinehurst, two. Which was, I mean, that was... How are, time out. How are but, the legs feeling? It seems the, like it was a couple legs days are, of walking. I won't say the, le- uh, the legs are better than I thought. Um, uh-huh. I, the only thing that was kind of sore... This morning was the calves a little bit from kind of the uphill, yeah. you know, the hilliness of Augusta, and especially mm-hmm. it was kind side of hill lie, you know. And it was slick. <laughs> it was slick out there too, so it wasn't just walking up a hill. It was you, you know, use a lot of deep core muscles. Yeah, a lot of deep, lot of deep core muscles. I just said, you know, for the most part, I'm I'm earning my calories, so that it it basically even things out. But um, <laughs> Pinehurst was. I will. I don't think I'll ever play a harder golf course than Pinehurst. It yeah, was incredibly it, it looks fair. almost. It was, the you know, pictures I've always seen of it, I, I don't even know. It looks like, you, you know, if you don't have it straight off the tee, it's going to just be a long day for you. It, like it, that's the thing. There's like there's no rough, but and it's almost it's very hard to lose a ball because everything's so open. It's all pretty much fairway. You see it in the straw. sand, yeah, but, pine straw and sand. You know, we're used to kind of playing, you know, rough, you know, whatever cut. Where if you get a little bit underneath it, you sometimes you get a little bit of a flyer lie. Sometimes you can go after it, get underneath it. You just kind of take a divot. Here it's sand. Yeah. If you get too much underneath it, that ball's You're not done. going anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, obviously, I was a little bit, accu- bit accurate off the tee, and that's what got me. But like, you, you get around the greens too. Like, I, there was no tee shot that you hit that was like this is unfair. It was mm-hmm. a, it was pretty fair off the tee. But once you got around the green, if you weren't in the right spot on the green, off the green, where like you were in a big amount of trouble. Yeah. The, the, the greens and around the green area was so difficult, um, and, and it was it was almost you had to be so precise with your shots. Um, but it was like Augusta. It, it was kind of surreal to be where you were. You, you kind of walk through the hallway. Of the yeah, you know the history that you occurred see the there. History. You see yeah. the Payne Stewart statue, and they, they have kind of a whole um, they have a whole display for him inside the clubhouse. You, know, you kind of walk up 18, and you know, Mike, my, my brother, said to me as we're walking up the 18th fairway, it's like you know, think of the names that have walked up this fairway before. And I, I, I think after everybody. after Augusta, Pinehurst is probably the most historic historically relevant course uh, in america um i would say just to yeah. think of all the names that had been there and they, it's it's an unbelievable course unbelievable facility before the the day before that the day we landed we played a course that was called the cradle 
It's this little mm-hmm. nine hole. Course I've heard of the that, cradle. It's, it's like nine holes. It's on the same property, correct? Yeah, it's on, it, it's on the same property. It's nine holes. There's no hole that's more than, you know, 90-some yards. Yeah, you just like go out there with a wet, couple it, wedges it, and a putter. They give you one of those kind of old-school golf bags that you just throw. We, we threw. I threw a wedge, a sand wedge, and eight iron and yeah. a putter in there. You kind of uh, grab a quiver, it. Then, I believe. Exactly. They got, they got music. a couple arrows in there. They got music playing. They got a couple <laughs> bars uh, you know, around the course, and it's it's awesome. It, it's, it was so much fun. That's awesome. And it was something, honestly, if Chicago had something, anything similar to that, it, you know, if, if they turn Maravitz into that, that thing would make yeah. so much money in the summer. It would be funny, but it, it was it was really cool atmosphere. So everything we did on this trip, I mean, it, it was it was a trip of a lifetime. You ask any of the four Bucket of us that were stuff. on it, and you know, I, I said it to I, the first thing I did when I got to Pinehurst while they were checking in the hotel, they had a golf shop off the hotel. I went to go buy a couple golf balls because I forgot to do that before. Mm-hmm. And the guy, you know, I say, hey, you know, you guys are here for a while. You, you're playing a bunch of the course. Like, no, you know, we're playing number two on Monday, and then we're going to Augusta. And he's like, oh man, that's awesome. You guys are gonna have a great time. And I said, it was like, you know, I'm on a golf trip where Pinehurst isn't the spotlight. Yeah, it isn't, trip. it's unbelievable. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I was like, I, that's never going to happen to me again. So it was, it was a really cool experience. And uh, you, uh, you put a dent in the in the Pinehurst. Uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. No, nothing, nothing close to Augusta, but I, I, I put a nice little dent into Pinehurst as well. I was wearing my, uh, my Peter Millar Pinehurst pullover today at work. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Just, just wrapping hard. Yeah. Well, um, Matt, we could talk about our golf experiences and our golf games all that we want. We know that, but we do have to make some predictions and talk a little bit of the uh, reality that's about to take place over the next four days on those hallowed grounds. I can't wait. I think we just put it as simple as this. I don't know if we're going to do a big pick em with the majors this year. If so, we could do it each individual major. But yeah. just this year, let's – I mean, I've looked at I've looked at the sheet a couple times now, and I think I – I don't know if I mentioned it last week in the podcast, but the guy that really jumps off the page to me this week is Tony Finau. Oftentimes, you're going to get a winner coming out of last year's top ten, a guy who kind of have had it figured out, who hit the ball really well. Tony's long enough to where if he's – in the right spots and the putter's going a little bit, he's going to be there in the top 10 at the end. I like Tony Finau this weekend. Yeah, you know, that's a good pick. I, honestly, I think Vegas has it right with their favorite in Rory. Uh, uh-huh. So many of them, I mean, obviously he's, he's the best driver of the golf ball on tour. He's playing the best golf of his life right now. And his drive fits so many of those holes at Augusta. Obviously he has, he hasn't won the big one uh, mm-hmm. at Augusta yet, but he's played so well there so many times. And it seems like he's kind of in, in, an intense focus that we haven't quite seen yet this year. Yeah, you do sense a little something different about him. Um, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, but just as intangible as that is, um, another thing that's intangible that I think is real, I think it's real, is the fact that it's the one he doesn't have, and that's yeah. always the hardest one to get. Yeah, and sometimes guys, And sometimes times guys never get over that hump. Greats. Um, who am I thinking of right now? Arnie's got the Grand Slam. Who doesn't have the Grand Slam? Ben Hogan. Did Ben Hogan not have the Grand Slam? Uh, you know, they. I, I There's listened. a couple big Some, names somebody, that don't I, have the Grand Slam. They listed. I, I was listening to it today. They listed the names that had it. I don't honestly don't remember it off the top. I think of my it's head. like. But there, I think there's. Guys. I think Rory would be the sixth, or maybe he'd, he'd be, be the seventh. Sixth. There's six. So yeah. it, he's. It, it, I, Totally agree with you. It's, it's sometimes really hard to get that last one, but it, it, it could be that albatross around your neck. No pun intended. In I, the golf term, but good one, Joe. Uh, it's late. 
You know, for being pretty late, we haven't gone too far off the rails here. No, I'm just letting you drive this car. You're the one with a fantastic life experience. <laughs> I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here watching the last half of Kings basketball through a window um, from my porch. It's actually gorgeous out. So Joe, I'm, not you'll, you'll get, I'm not complaining at all. You'll get yourself on the hallowed grounds. I have no doubt about it. One day, one oh, day, absolutely. Win that um, absolutely. I, I would guess if you can call it an off the cuff pick. I mean, I kind of like your your guy, Francesco Molinari. Um, you know, kind of well, since the British. My guy. When he won the British, you started this podcast talking in Italian. I know. He is kind of my guy. <laughs> He's your guy. I go back and forth on Francesco because he hurt us in the Ryder Cup. That's how I am with a lot of, as I've grown more interested in the Ryder Cup, like, I feel like I almost hate to root for a lot of the guys who have yeah and i know what you mean. we've watched we've beat us. up on our guys year after year yeah I mean, he but. he hits he hits the ball straight he's not terribly long off the tee but he's long enough and yeah. you saw in that british open man that guy's unflappable like there's really nothing that gets me like 36 straight holes without a bogey like that's unbelievable he's, if you he's get one of the guys that, out there if you get in that role at augusta you, you're yeah. you're I mean, you have a, at any course you have a favorite over you your favorite over anybody, especially at Augusta. If you kind of get in that consistent role and you don't let the moment get too big for you, like Molinar is capable yeah. of, you, you have an advantage over everybody. He's also one of those guys who can hit seventeen of eighteen greens and just have a ton of birdie looks that turn into pars, and boom, he's there at the end of it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I like that as a niche pick. So Francesco's your niche pick. I guess a little less. Ni- I guess neither of them are very niche right now. Both guys I mean, playing really good golf. I mean, Tony just hasn't won. Yeah, but a big between, one yet. between those guys, there's one combined major. So I mean, it's not yeah. like those guys are up there. I, I would mm-hmm. say like it's not a big shot. It wouldn't be a shocker for either of those win. But I don't think either of those guys would be considered you know big favorites to go out and take it. Nonetheless, it's going to be a fantastic weekend of what do you spectating. Think, what do you think our boys' chances are? Let's let's. I don't let's even want to talk trust about rate. it. No, let's talk about it. You want to? Talk I want to talk it. about it Saturday, when he's within four shots of the lead. Okay, okay. Saturday's um, moving. Day. Tiger, I, I understand that. <laughs> I need him to put two solid rounds together, and I need him to come into Saturday within shouting distance of the lead. Not like a you know, if I go sixty-seven, sixty-five, I have a chance. I, yeah. No, I no. want. I want high drama set up by him being in the mix. That's when I'll start feeling it's real. I think he's got a great chance. The way he's striking the ball, if he can keep it in play and maybe find a little something with the putter, yeah, was, if he, he'll if be he, all right. If he but can the way putt, he's hitting he the ball, putt, he can beat he's going to be in a lot of good spots. Yeah. yeah, He's striking the ball as well as anybody right now. If he, if he can make putts, he's going to be fine. But I mean, that's We're talking about Tiger Woods, by the way. I realize neither of us said his name. Everybody his knew who we're talking about. <laughs> if he can make those putts, he'll be fine. But I mean, that's what we've been saying about him all year, and he hasn't really done that yet so I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see yeah uh matt plenty going on elsewhere uh it's we're what about three weeks almost a month into baseball season three weeks oh we have Something to like stop that. To, we have to stop talking about golf now no no no. <laughs> yeah, yeah for a little while, a little <laughs> we're, while. we'll be fine um uh, we're yeah but, we're what, 11 games into the baseball season if i am doing the cubs and Sox right yeah so about uh, two two and a half weeks uh three and eight on both sides of town hot um, start in chicago I, gonna be a fun summer i have uh gotten to watch i believe two cubs games and about a game and a half of the Sox. um obviously catching highlights but yeah. um I, I just wanted to touch on you know baseball's launch um which was oddly a decrescendo in japan but then it felt like once things got going even opening day wasn't really a big deal around here but i feel like there's already been a ton of excitement um a lot of the bryce stuff is very exciting mm-hmm. and the fact that you know he started off hot trout 
I don't know, what do you have six straight games with home run with home runs yeah, there. Yeah, Trout's hitting a quiet four like four thirty. Quiet four thirty out of Trout through eleven games. Um, you got a lot of great defense going on. Loriano is becoming like the you can't run on me guy in center field for the A's. He's already got like four or five putouts, like big time putouts. Um, so I think it's been a nice start to the season if you're a baseball fan at least. Um, again, we can go into this and we can wax poetic about how the game isn't going to really grow, but it needs to maintain its current fan base. I think it's going to do a good job of that. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you make baseball big again, other than make baseball you know, great again. I agree. Start looking the other way on, on the on the juice again, but pass um, around some needles and stop looking and start looking away. <laughs> oh, oh, the late nineties. Oh, Bud the mid, Selig, the mid to late nineties. Hall of Famer uh, Bud no. Selig because he just you know turned a blind eye. Give me a uh, give me a little inside baseball on Chicago baseball right now. What's the, what's the biggest worry on each side of town? Uh, I, mean, I, I think the biggest worry on each side of town is the pitching. Uh, both yeah. been, been north and south side, the pitching has not been uh, what either team expected it to be. Obviously, you Darvish is is having his struggles. He lost again tonight to the Pirates. Kyle Hendricks has not been sharp for the Cubs early on in his first couple. Uh, Jose Quintana's ERA is up near eight or nine. Lester has been solid, but he's going to miss his next two starts now, I think, with a hamstring, if not more. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm missing a starter. Uh, Cole Hamels has been kind of yeah, – I think he's one and one. He's doing okay. But the, the bullpen, obviously, has been a disaster on the north side so far, um, which is, you know, everybody over here is saying, you know, we knew this was the problem early on. Why wasn't this fixed in the offseason? Um, Theo kind of came out and just said, you know, my ba- you know, it's on me. But at the same time, that, that bullpen's a problem, and – just going out and adding Craig Kimbrell, Kimbrell, if they were to do it, is not going to fix it all, all by itself. Um, on the south side, it's been interesting because, you know, if you ask the Sox fan going into this year, you know, what are the most important things you need to see from the White Sox? It would be Yohan Moncada, Tim Anderson, and Eloy, Eloy Jimenez looking like, you know, stars. And so far, the three of them... That's been the case. Moncada's been one of the best pitchers in the AL. Tim Anderson, I think, has a batting average around 500. Eloy's power numbers aren't there yet, but Eloy's Eloy's had a slow start to the year, and he's hitting 300. Um, So those three guys are playing pretty good baseball right now. I mean, Yohan Moncada looks like a superstar in the making, and the Sox are 3-8 and and really haven't come close in their last few games because the pitching has just been so incredibly bad. The starters have struggled, which means the bullpen's getting in there early, which means the bullpen's kind of cash now. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez has taken a step back. It looks like Carlos Rodon has been the same inconsistent Carlos Rodon. Lucas Giolito had one great start, one bad one. Um, it's it's just inconsistency on the mound, and it it's upsetting because, you know, those things that we wanted to see are happening, going well for the Sox. They're still not really seeing the results, which is, the, I think, the troubling thing. Call me mid yawn, Matt. I That's apologize. okay. It's, it's after like we dark. Said it was late. It's but after that was, dark. Uh, that happens. That was a concise uh, analysis on both sides of town. Uh, it boils down to pitching, is what it sounds like. Yeah, and, and um, uh, th- there's a couple guys. There's a couple guys on both sides of town that I, you know, the Cubs, while Keb- Craig Kimbrell wouldn't solve every one of their problems, would mm-hmm. be a really nice addition to them, especially with a team like the Brewers poking around him. And for the White Sox, I mean, they said the Manny Machado money is going to get spent. Um, sure, they extended Eloy, and they're paying him like $7 million a year. There's a guy named Dallas Keuchel out there who could very well be signed for Jake Arrieta's type deal for a little bit more money maybe. 
the Sox aren't paying anybody for the next six years or so. I don't know why they can't go overspend to get a guy like that. Instead, they decided to take the cheap way out and go pick up Irvin Santana on a you know veteran minimum deal. Um, yeah. But there's some moves that have questionably not been made on both sides of town. And I think that's kind of what you're you're hearing here from both sides. I think both fan bases are a little bit upset about that. Um, so money to be spent, but it's not being spent. Never a good thing. Not a great uh, thing. Nor is it a good thing when there are record low numbers for MLB attendance. And yes, it's okay. still early, and yes, you're dealing with weekday games, but uh, they need to do something. And we had this conversation on a couple of our shows to incentivize the fan to come out to the stadium because as a viewing, uh, as a viewing opportunity – Baseball's not going to play on TV to the short-term attention span, and not just of kids and millennials, but we, we've all picked up the pace. Mm-hmm. From us to our parents, everyone's doing a million things at once. It's never going to play on TV. I understand TV is where the ad money is at, but if you do what the Atlanta Falcons did at their stadium last season, you will see people flood in the doors on weekday oh, 100%. games. You will see them spend 2x the money that they would with the prices all jacked up because such a large percentage of people go to the game and don't touch concessions because of the price. Yeah, lower, I mean, the, lower the lower the cost of admission, lower the cost of the things that you are going to spend on once admitted, and focus on the on the on field aspect of the game because I think that's where the game's still great. That's where people still want to be. Yeah, I mean. You, you, you see it now, people going to these events, whatever, they, they're always stopping, you know, at least I remember when I was a kid, you know, it's more stopping on the way to get some food or tailgating or something because concessions are so expensive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not to bring it back to the Masters, but those guys make so much money because sure. they're, like, their, their food prices are small and they have people literally nonstop just constantly walking through getting there. The, the Falcons have reported, you know, doesn't appear to be any issues with them either and i I think it's absolutely helped their attendance i think more people buy stuff because of these low prices and and that's something that certain you know major league baseball markets maybe not everyone has to do it teams like the cubs yankees red sox will always have their you know their fans but it's something the lower markets could probably adopt and i don't think baseball is ever going to change to the point where you know we're regularly playing sub three you know two and a half hour games but I think it just goes back to player exposure and finding ways to get those guys more FaceTime on social media with the public to allow them to grow fan bases. Um, yeah. the, their social media policy, again, going back to it, it, it's ridiculous. It doesn't really allow you know the eight-year-old who lives in New York to see Mike Trout clips because he has to be in bed before Mike Trout's first mm-hmm. pitch. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think all the you know all kids have Twitter have you know. Facebook have Instagram whatever Snapchat you can go on and, and see these highlights in the morning if if MLB were to be more open to that it's so much more exposure and just it helps the game grow and there's certain ways you can fix it to, to make it faster but I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where we're playing you know regularly back to you know the two and a half hour game phase no um, and I, I still don't think that that's a palatable time frame for people to sit in front of a television no one's doing that anymore unless they're binging game of thrones or whatever the show is they're not doing that for uh sporting events something you can do uh, we, we've talked about it you see people complaining about it on social media too is like make it more accessible for me to get the game on my phone that that's yeah. another way i'm not going to be in front of the tv likely for four hours but if I'm, you know, watching the first two and the, you know, first five innings, and I'm going out to meet friends somewhere at a bar, 
or you know you're gonna I'm going be the guy watching the, the Sox game at the bar. No, but phone. no, but if I'm taking the L and it's going to take me a half hour, forty five minutes to get where I'm going, yeah. I can pop open the game there instead of just. It all boils, it boils down to accessibility. Yeah, that's that, that just falls under accessibility. That's but. Major League Baseball's biggest issue right now is they don't make things all that accessible, and that's kind of their problem. I think we just fixed baseball. So <laughs> I, I let's, get, let's let's I get Rob Manfred on the pod. Did you see my tweet with I the? Didn't uh, see I was in the other day I was watching the White Sox on my laptop and the San Francisco Giants on my TV and I tweeted that I solved the pace of play issue. Just watch two games at once. There you go. But now we're at the point where I'm reading off my Twitter. So uh, let's get to some buy or sell here, Matt. We're That's do great. This, uh, That's great radio. A, a bit uh, a bit formatted. Um, you're going to give me a couple NBA buy or sells and I'm going to give you a couple NHL buy or sells. All right. Um, so would you like to lead off or would you like me to lead off? Uh, why don't you kick us off? All right. Um, Matt, and the, the Chicago Blackhawks ending up with the third overall pick in the upcoming uh, draft. Uh, buy or sell that they make a selection at number three. So essentially, do they trade the pick or they're going to do they have a name that they're in love with at three? I don't think they have a name they're in love with at three. There's there's two can't miss prospects it seem in this draft. Jack Hughes, who's an American and a guy you're going to laugh at this name probably, but his name is Capo Caco. I've seen the name. He's Finnish. Yeah. Um, he, he's kind of a goal score, a big goal scoring winger. Jack Hughes is kind of your every do everything center who can score a bunch. Those are kind of your top two, you know, prospects. And after that, it's it's not like you know a massive drop off where there's nothing, but there's a drop off in talent. I, I think it's best served for the Blackhawks to make it very well known to everybody. This pick's available. What's your best offer for it? Because uh-huh. they're at the point where if they're drafting a guy who's ready in two or three years, that might not be what's best for their chances at a cup. If they're if this guy they're drafting is is going to be an impact player when Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze are thirty four. Yeah, it's a bit uh, of a finite window. You're seeing the back end of the current um, yeah course window. I'm shopping that pick, and I'm shopping you know Brandon Saad and seeing if that can yield me a top two defenseman from somebody maybe somebody who's in cap trouble or maybe somebody's trying to tell something along there i'm trying to shop that pick it's not 100 percent. you don't know somebody's going to bite on it but if i were that general manager if i was making the call yeah i'd buy that that the hawks should probably be looking to shop that pick that's why when they when it happened last night i was pretty disappointed they didn't get one or two but you know having three is, is nothing to blink at but i think they should be shopping that so i guess i will buy that they or i'll sell that they make the pick you're selling that they're making I'm the pick. selling that they make the pick. A circuitous route there, but yeah. uh, a well thought. Well, I, want, I wanted to explain, that. you know, what you know. I wanted to explain my answer. So we're not getting Capo Capco. I don't think we're getting Capo Capco. Did Capo, I just nail Capco. it first try? Capo you Capco. You did. I like that. All right, hit me. Uh, buy or sell? The 76ers have a chance in the East if Embiid misses time. If Embiid misses time, I sell. So he's 100%. he's got. He's got "quote unquote" an achy left knee that may prevent them from him from starting the playoffs with Philly. Um, yeah, I'm okay. not looking. I'm not looking at the current matchups. They got but, Brooklyn in the I'm, first round, which is they're they're locked in against Brooklyn. They're in the first locked round. in against Brooklyn in the first round. They're going to need Joel Embiid at the tail end of that series. Maybe I think get so away too. with going one and one at home. But I think that to close out that series, D'Angelo Russell is playing the type of basketball, and, and they're kind of the hot team coming in where they've rallied to get to the position that they are. Um, yeah, they're dangerous. I, I don't think that they have you know, the long-term ability to go seven and beat Philly. But if there's no Joe Ellen beat for all seven games, I, I rethink that. I take it into consideration. 
with healthy Joe Embiid, bonus by yourself at the end of this question. But with if healthy, healthy Joe Embiid, who's your favorite in the East? You just broke up there. Give me with it again. A, with a healthy Joel Embiid, who's your favorite in the East? The healthy Joel Embiid, I do put the 76ers as my favorite coming out of the East. I, I think you. that I think that they're the most well-rounded team. Um, their guard situation is just, I mean, it's interesting uh, the way that they run guys in and Ben Simmons not being a true point guard, but um, they, they find a way to make it work. They can slow it down, and in the playoffs, things do slow down, and there's a lot more basketball being played in the half court rather than in transition, how a lot of these teams, you know, make their money right now. The 76ers are still a team that can play in the half court, especially when you're throwing it down to the post to Joel Embiid, who can, I mean, essentially do everything inside the arc. Yeah, his emergence, obviously he's always been a very good player, but this... There, there were points at this season where I was like, that's the MVP. He, and I know he took over the second him, half of the year kind of all-star break. Yeah. He really kind of picked up, and towards the end of the year, kind of once they had it all settled, the Sixers were where they were. He yeah. tapered off a little bit, but this is the first time we've seen him look like you know the true. It's not MVP. a, and, and just the fact that it's a big man, and I know he's so much more than your classic five or four. I mean, he's a five, but he's so much more than your your classic center. But at the same time, it's not a league that centers even get talked about as mm-hmm. MVPs. Uh, he's that type of talent. That's why I think they're my favorite in the East. There's your bonus yeah. by so. Uh, I, I I think I'm with you. Tobias Harris, I think, is that X factor because Philly's always needed the shooter, and he, he can be that shooter when he gets hot. But yeah. hit, me, hit me with a hockey one. Um, I know you're slanted on this, and I'm going to kind of like cross the line here. I know I was trying to, I was supposed to keep it hockey, but okay. buy, buy or sell. The drama of the NBA surpasses the interest. I don't even know how I want to word this. What would it take? I guess this isn't a buy or sell, but what would it take for there to be a game seven in the NHL and you just be watching basketball instead? Honestly, I I don't think in in this year's NBA playoffs, nothing. Uh, okay, so that, I guess that was kind of what I was trying to get to. It, is is the NBA captivating enough to make you forget about the NHL on no. any given night over the next two months? No, no. I mean, if there's if there's you know three games going on in the NHL playoffs and every one of them's you know a three zero or a three one series, and the NBA has a close game, maybe <laughs> I'll tune in. Covering yourself for but, legal purposes, but like, <laughs> no, because I, I don't mind the NBA playoffs. I'll tune into it once we get down the stretch. But you know, I, I love the NHL playoffs so much because you know. Tampa is the odds-on favorite to go win the Stanley Cup this year by just about everybody. And it they, just feels they, they lost tonight four to three after blowing a three nothing lead. Three nothing lead. Columbus. Yeah. So like that to me is what makes the Columbus has a legitimate shot in that series now. Whereas if Golden State were to lose Game One, I don't even know who they're playing. Who's the eight seed in the in the West? The eight seed in the West is the Los Angeles Clippers. So if the Clippers go ahead and take Game One from Golden State, I'm still it, whatever. Golden State's still going to win in five or six. Um, and I'm not not trying to knock the NBA playoffs. That's what it is. But once it gets down, you know, the conference finals, it's an interesting, it's an interesting watch. But the NHL playoffs, every game, night in, night out, is so every so the team parody, has a chance. The parody is, what, and I understand you're a fan of the league, um, but without the Hawks in it, you're, you still have the same level of interest in this year's NHL playoffs. Same level is hard to say without the Hawks in it. <laughs> Did you just hiss at me? Uh, no, I was. I, I, st- I started to say same. Yeah. I wanted to let you finish. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it'll never be the same without the Blackhawks, but it's still incredibly high. And there's a reason why, you know, even people who aren't big hockey fans in the regular season, who are maybe not even casual fans, still tell you that the NHL playoffs are yeah. the best, you know, events in sports. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, it's, great, right. it's great theater. It's great theater. Always is, Matt. 
Hit me with your buy or sell. I, I got to ask it. I, we've talked about it a bunch, but this year might seem like it might actually be the year. Buy or sell, the Golden State Warriors are in the NBA Finals. You got Houston playing as good a basketball as ever. Golden State yeah. looks like there's some 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 knocks in the armor there. Do they still get there? They're at a they're at a Patriot point for me. Yeah, that's that's fair. I will say yes. I will buy that they make it until they don't. Um, yes, obviously things can drastically change this offseason with the makeup of the team. Um, any one of those core players, you know Boogie's gone, Draymond could be gone, Clay could be gone, Durant could be gone. I don't think that all of them will be gone. I don't think that two of them will be gone, but one of those four players will be gone. Um, three players, excuse me, four if you're counting Boogie, two of those four will be gone. Yeah. Um, but this year, I just think they know how to do it. It's it, it. There's something to muscle memory and having been there before and executing. And when you think of the three peat teams of the past and – you know, we saw it with the Bulls. We saw it with the Lakers in the early 2000s. They feel like they have the makeup of one of those two teams. And when you get to that third championship, there's always drama. It's uh, I actually a, a Fenwick alum, Dieter Kurtenbach. Uh, he writes for the Mercury News. That's here, a name. And uh, out, in the, out in the Bay Area. He was a couple years older than me. And he's a fantastic columnist out here. And he wrote, he wrote a piece um, comparing them, just making the analogy to a, just a tired performer who's who's – you know, work their circus act or their residency for the last two and a half years. And they've grown tired of the day after day, but at the same time, they still know how to come out and perform when they need to. And I think they know how to flip the switch. Exactly. And not even flipping the switch, but they they know what it takes and it's not going to be as flashy. It's not going to be as pretty. It's not going to be as awe inspiring as maybe going 16 and one as they did in their first championship. Mm -hmm. But I, I still think they get it done. I mean, I don't want to bring this, you know, to a, to a hockey analogy, but you know, one that we're kind of very close to here was was the Blackhawks, and you know, when mm-hmm. they were making those runs, and you know, in their dynasty type era, they yeah. weren't always winning. I think there was one time where they won the President's Trophy, and you know, were first mm-hmm. in the West. They were usually they didn't even always win the division. They kind yeah. of had those modes where you know we know when we have to turn it on, and we will. And I, I hate using the word. Fl- term flip the switch but they knew when it was time to flip that switch i think in 2015 when they won they finished like third in the central um so it, it's 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 similar to that and when you know going through the 82 game i don't want to say drag of a season but when they know what they're playing for and kind of know where they're going to be at the end yeah they they kind of have this little tendency to fall into walls i feel like yeah i, I just feel and not to you know i i agree with what you're saying but the difference being it, it's much harder, I feel like, to sustain three years of championship caliber hockey than it is basketball. Yeah. Basketball. Mm-hmm. Just the way that um, the way that contracts are set up and the way that the league is set up and just the physicality of the mm-hmm. sport, I think it's just much harder to go through repeat in, in so, hockey than it would be in basketball. So we're agreeing that's that the Bla- Bla- Blackhawks are no. greater than Warriors is what we're saying. Um, you just say yes. Just yeah, okay. Yes. Well, yeah, I'm with okay. it. Just say yes. It's, it's, <laughs> after, it. it's after dark. We can say yes. <laughs> You're right. It is after after dark, Matt. So uh, we're going to shut it down before, here. Before we do, I want to ask you, what's the what's the reaction out there to magic? I know you're not in L.A., but you're in California. You're in the state. Okay. Was, so one thing that, that we happened? The one thing that we don't understand in um, in in the Midwest and maybe on the East Coast, and we do understand some of the East Coast rivalries, but West Coast rivalries, because they're few and far between, or we think they're few and far between, we don't give the same credence. 
Sacramento fans absolutely despise the Lakers. So there was a weird reaction in Sacramento yesterday when the news came down of fans that were celebrating because it was like, oh, negative Lakers news, perfect. And fans that were pissed, it was like, no, Magic Johnson's bad at his job. It was making the Lakers be bad. We want, we want Magic we want him there. Johnson from this team. So those are kind of the two split reactions here in Sacramento. But it was, it was like no, nobody had this. It almost strikes me as if Magic Johnson looked at himself in the mirror in the bathroom before he stepped in front of those cameras and said, yeah, let's just do it. Let's it, just do honestly, it. Honestly, that's what it felt like. He like just changed it, it, do you watch Billions? I feel like I ask you this every I week. Don't I don't watch, watch Billions. Billions. Okay, well, this week's Billions, Chuck Rhodes gives a big speech, and he's supposed to give this speech of resignation, and he's like, no, screw it. Changes his mind at the podium. That was Magic Johnson yesterday. Yeah. It, 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 was, it seemed like he had a was scheduled to talk about something totally different and like halfway through it's like you know what he was supposed to fire Luke Walton he's like yeah, yeah Luke Walton's gonna get fired but I'm out too I'm gonna resign right now let's just see yeah. what happens and he basically resigned because he wanted to be able to tamper on Twitter you love NBA drama you gotta you love NBA drama you do. there's something new every single day Yesterday, you had the retirement of uh, Dwayne, Dwayne Wade, or at least the, the home finales of Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki. Magic loses his mind. Paul George hits a game winner. Just a normal night in the NBA. And then, then D. Wade, by the way, just casually goes out and drops a triple-double tonight. D. Wade is – oh, he hit the triple-double tonight. Yeah. I did not see tri- that yet. Triple-double tonight. I saw, I saw with a the banana, highlights. With the banana boat crew. The banana boat crew is because those guys – because Melo's the only one that should be there, but I digress. Um that's it was it was it was a beautiful moment. It was, it was a beautiful moment. <laughs> it was something. Oh, I got a NHL page pulled up there. It started playing a video. Sorry. Oh, that's what, I didn't hear anything. So you could have gotten. Oh, it was just on my end. Uh, so I just sounded like I was just losing my mind and not responding to you. But now, um, um, did I tell you that I was at Augusta yesterday? You did. If you'd like oh, to. Okay. No. No. I got. I just want to remind wax. you. No. I got, I just, it was not, I got nothing. Well, we appreciate you for uh, you know taking the time from your just golf extravaganzas to c- come do a, a after dark Moose and Runes podcast. This, is, this has been a long one for me, Joe. I had a I was up about four thirty five o'clock Central Time, and then you know I'm it's it's eleven thirty here in the in the Central Time Zone. So it's been it's been quite the day for me. But we're back. I wanted to talk Masters. I wanted to talk Pinehurst. I wanted to talk everything sports under the sun with you. And we, we did that in a tight 45. We appreciate you bringing us onto the grounds in only a way that Matt Rooney could. Matthew, yeah. we, we thank you um, for, for your for your knowledge, for your wisdom, for your experience. I and, am wise. Uh, yeah. We got some fun Moose and Runes podcast coming up in the not-too-distant future. Uh, episode 100, coming next week. We've got some questions. We want some more. It's going to be an all-buy-or-sell, or, or excuse well, me, an all-mailbag. An all it, it will be, mas- yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> it'll be all-mailbag after Masters there will be some. There will be some tight Masters reaction, and then uh, we're going to hit some, some 100th episode mailbag. It only seems right that we will have Masters reaction on episode 100. It's, it's fitting for the golf pod. Sometimes things just work out that way. And then not too far after that, there will be a Moose and Runes live from the desert. Where we'll actually be in one another's uh, golf cart and presence yeah. as we head down to uh, Palm Springs to, to do a little golfing. The, the first ever in-person podcast. We've had 99 of these, and all of these have been over microphone and phone people. So what's that going to be, episode 102 live from what, from Palm Beach? Yeah, that'll be one, 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 Palm one, 102 or 103 right around there, yeah. All right, so that's that's what you have to look forward to, Moose and Moose fans. But as we said, hit us on Twitter with the mailbag questions. Uh, text Matt or myself. 
if you are uh, one of let, the, the one of our loved ones that does listen to this podcast. We let us know if you. there's uh, if there's anything you want to hear from us live in person from the desert too. Maybe there's some like, some interesting stuff I think you might be able to do. Like if you guys want me to call a hole, like I can actually do a full broadcast. Ooh. Just. Like just tearing that to pieces and just breaking down the swing. See, I just uh, well, I kind of kind of come an Alta Viz hub. I've kind of thought of Mike. You know, I'm assuming one of the rounds will probably be you, me, and my brother Mike as a threesome. I've kind uh-huh. of just dis- decided thought of the idea of getting a mic, putting it on Mike's uh, shirt, and just kind of having him comment on how bad we are at golf and how much better like he that. is basically talking shit to us on we could podcast. sell that we could sell that to the sponsors as mike the mike yeah mike to, mike'd up it's you know dumb. mike's mike mike'd up mike's mike yeah, yeah mike's mike you know there's a lot of options there yeah well a it's, it's a working title <laughs> well as always moose and listeners we appreciate you for tuning in this episode 99 the penultimate i guess it's not penultimate because we're going to do 100 first uh, but the episode before the 100th i guess um, we're off the rails here, Matt. It's been Moose and Runes After Dark. We appreciate you guys for joining us. Tune in next week for episode 100. For Matt Rooney, Joe Musso, we'll talk to you guys soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.